0: Uh,
1: Hello and welcome to another edition, episode two of MMA Uncaged, proudly brought to you by Ginger Fox Coffee, fantastic coffee, guaranteed to make you as clever as a fox. Check out gingerfoxcoffee.com for more. Gareth McKellen. Wow. We've uh, been spoiled. Three UFC events in a week. Uh, midweek, we saw teeth being literally jangled and uh, handed to referees with Anthony Smith and, and uh, Teixeira. And of course, then it was just uh, all about emotion. Uh, as Overeem was just too good for Walt Harris. Uh, what, a, what an incredible week uh, for, for fight sports and for the UFC.
0: Yeah, look, listen, I, fantastic. They did an amazing job in with what they've done, uh, putting together three fight cards in such a short space of time, finding guys that are all capable, finding guys that all meet the requirements, making sure they worry, worry about uh, the health and safety of each individual. Um, I really got to take my hat off to them. You know, they brought back uh, sport because really the only thing that's live at the moment. Um, so... Yeah, uh, interesting. And it was, uh, like I said to you, it's different. It's very different. Our last show, we chatted about this. Things are not the same. Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, the rule set behind the scenes is as tight as they come, knowing I've been there. I know how they operate. I know what they like. They are straight down the line. There's no deterioration from what they want, and you have to follow the rules. And uh um, You know, it's a proud moment for MMA. It's a very, very proud moment for MMA that they're the guys that have stuck up their hands. They're the guys that have said, hey, we're going to press forward. We are not going to succumb to what's happening. Um, We are going to put ourselves in a position where we're going to bring live events
1: to the people. And kudos to them. Great job to Dana and his team. Yeah, I can't wait to see what's next because, I mean, they talk of Fight Island now, you know, it's, it's really exciting. And as you say, Dana White's done a phenomenal job, but it was a slick production. Uh, and I think we're getting used to now hearing everything that goes on in the arena because um, I think it was Hardy who was saying, like, he heard 77 different voices. Like, even heard Daniel Cormier saying, if he, if he doesn't look after that leg, he's going to lose the other leg. I mean, that's something to get used to, isn't it?
0: Well, I think when you when you're in there, you're so in the zone, and you that 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 heavier drown of noise gives you the ability to focus in on your job and just on your crowd. Uh, I mean on your team again. So now all of a sudden, you can hear a pin drop, everything becomes so vocal, becomes so loud. you know what am I listening to? His corner screaming orders, my corner screaming orders. You can hear the you can hear the um, commentators uh, throwing their two cents in. Uh, it's a lot to take in and it can become very distracting Um, the guys have done an exceptionally great job to come out and perform I think the fights were fantastic I don't think at any stage you could say uh, look uh, there were one or two that uh, probably didn't live up to the standard that we expected but uh, across the board you just saw great fights
1: yeah I think the the judges you know didn't have an easy job Uh, there were some fights that could have gone either way that uh, spring to mind and you go well you know, it comes down to interpretation. But overall, the fights really delivered, didn't they? We saw guys just standing and banging. Even the girls were standing and banging. It was great to witness. I, I must, I
0: must, I mean, I must say that it, it's been, the, the quality of the fight was was really top class. I You saw great skill sets over the last few days. And uh, just a testament to how far MMA uh, has gone. It's just really just... Just keeps escalating. Next level, next level, next level. Strikers are just becoming way more efficient. Guys who weren't good on the feet to become, are, are developing themselves and becoming uh, um, a problem on the feet, the ground. We're not seeing so much ground uh, display anymore. Um, main card fight uh, on on the weekend. Uh, good display by a guy who's a, stand-up, who's a stand-up fighter. A lot of people don't know that he's a black belt. So it's... Yeah. It, 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 It changes all the time. There's just this different dynamic. You can never go, okay, this is what I can expect. Because if you think that, you're going to be terribly surprised.
1: Gareth, uh, I've got to bring in uh, one of our guests as we continue our sort of social distancing over Zoom uh, in in this quarantine sort of lockdown period, which is very frustrating. Um, So it's my pleasure to welcome uh, a guy you know very well, a guy you actually have a W against. Trickett's duplessis. He is, of course, EFC. Is it? I would say interim middleweight champion at this point after your victory over Lazar. Is that right, Chickas?
2: No, no. I'm the middleweight champion now. He was the interim champion, and that's nah, he's what the the boss <laughs> was <on> the, <laughs> the boss. Yeah, I'm the
1: boss. What's up there? I- <laughs> the yeah. boss. Yeah. I had to. I-, I had to go there. I had to go there. But Trickett. Um, <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. I think uh, it's very frustrating at the moment, isn't it? And no one can train properly. You're not sparring. You're not rolling with anyone. What have you been up to? Well,
2: I mean, thanks for having me. It's uh, definitely frustrating. I mean, more frustrating than anything is the fact that uh, that I'm not, I don't know when we're going to fight again. But as far as sparring and rolling goes, like as soon as we heard about the lockdown the week before, I had four teammates move in with me at my house. We had the whole gym. We had a mat. I have a double garage. So we had all the mats in, in uh, installed in the garage. We have all the equipment. So I mean, we're training like like normal. We're doing video footage. to send to our head coach Monet. I have one coach living with me, for holding pads, and I mean, Scotty, uh, my strength and conditioning coach, is sending our program. So we are continuing doing two three sessions a day, like 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 we always do. The the big frustration is more just not knowing when to be ready, when we can expect to fight. Yeah, I think that's
0: a, that's a. You know, I think that's a big thing of uh, being a champion and being somebody who's trying to set themselves in the, in the fight scene and, and develop themselves and go further is that you've got to constantly adapt. And if you are just sat back and gone, okay, well, I'll sort it out. You know, what does that do for you? Does that keep you as sharp as you want to stay? Does that keep you focused? Um, for me, you know, I think there's a, there's a prime opportunity now, you you see the UFC, they scrambling for fighters, but again, then it's a flight, a flight issue, but you know, there is, could be a possibility that you could put your hand up at some stage.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what, that's what we, we're we staying ready for. I mean, we have a few guys that's climbing the ranks in the EFC, uh, and then we have uh, myself uh, looking uh, for bigger opportunities. So, I mean, to stay ready, it's uh, it's actually essential. And uh, to make sure that when that opportunity comes that you are ready and you, you don't get blindsided by it. So this whole thing, yeah, it's a little bit of a setback, but it's all about how you approach it. And I think, like you said, it's, a, it's all about you know putting in everything you can right now that when the opportunity comes that you're ready and you don't let it slip through your fingers.
1: Trick is that you guys aren't training with masks, are you? Yes, Mark, you? No, 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 with masks. Like, the actual masks? Are you training um, with that?
2: or training with masks. No, the thing is, we're all living together. So, masks so. Are, are aren't necessary. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not doing outside right now. But, uh, I mean, everybody that we've been living here, like the people, they moved in with the idea of staying for three, four weeks. And yeah. uh, we're at week seven, eight right now. So, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> the house
1: has been cool for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, is, just there, is there uh, is there a set set of rules there, Trickers? Are you uh, are you keeping those boys in line?
2: Well, I mean, uh, I am the youngest. Uh, well, oh, wow. Cameron, okay. he's he's, uh, he's he's younger than me, so I mean, I can I can tell him what to do. But my brother is here, and uh, yeah, I'm the youngest uh, guy. So I mean, it's uh, it's basically being back to being a student, I guess. Living <laughs> with all your friends, it's it's pretty great.
0: Oh, well, listen, not a bad way to be in lockdown, if uh, if I say so myself. Yeah, absolutely. So, Adrikas, I do have a question for you. You know, like, it's something that I experienced when I went over and um, uh, something that I feel quite strongly when it comes to the new generation of guys going across to the UFC and that I felt like there was at stages that I needed to uh, upskill myself or kind of level up in certain areas. Is this something you've thought about? And are you looking at different ways to – to train are you looking at different input from from international coaches uh, in terms of making sure that when you step into the UFC because I mean that's ultimately where you want to go that you Absolutely. are 100 percent prepared to take on the best in the world
2: yeah I mean that's a that's a great question that's I guess that's for for every athlete that's a that's a big concern. Are you getting the right training are you doing everything you can to be the best? Uh, not hard work. I mean, everybody works hard. That's not the thing. It's, uh, are you working smart enough? Are you getting what you need to to uh, compete with the best in the world? And uh, like I've been traveling quite a lot, training uh, in the in the States with Henry Hooft, uh, with Craig Jones, uh, with the guys at Hard Knocks, at Sanford MMA, training alongside guys like Kamaru Usman, Luke Rockhold, uh, Angla, who's a double champion in 1FC. You know, really training with, with the best to be able to uh, compare yourself. And I think that's the, that's the biggest uh, thing is to be able to compare yourself because even though you're not doing your full fight camp or you're not staying there permanently uh, at this stage, it's about if you can compare with those guys in training, you know you have what it takes to compare with them in the, in the cage. And you can definitely see where you lack. And there you can see the clear difference of what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong? What can we change a little? And that's that's the greatest experience is to go over there and see where do we need to work on the most to be
0: able to compete with those guys. Yeah, look, I mean, I also sorry, uh, I mean, I was the same the same environment when I was there, and it and it it really boils down. It comes to it's just it's millimeters at the end of the yeah. day. I don't think there's a massive difference between what we're capable of and what they're capable of. I think it's a difference in a, in a thought pattern. And then I just think it's the abundance of knowledge around you that, you know, there's a hundred guys to fall back on and in terms of a small change in something, whereas locally, you know, you've got three or four good guys in your corner that you're spending a lot of time with. And, you know, when you spend a lot of time with those people, it can become a bit stagnant in terms of you start to figure each other out and that. And uh, their small, small margins is really ultimately what takes you to the next level. Um, if I, if I threw a fight at you now in the, in the UFC, I mean, which, which, what would be a prime pick for you if in your first outing in the UFC? Uh,
2: that's a good question. To be honest, uh, obviously, any fight to get the opportunity will be great. But in, in my mind, I'm really thinking if, uh, if I'm going to compete with the best in the world, uh, if you're fighting, like you said, millimetres makes the biggest difference. It's the small, small millimetres that uh, separates the greats from the good. And uh, if I have to take a fight in the UFC right now, I, I honestly would like to fight a top 20, maybe even a top 10 opponent. Uh, because once you go in, you're fighting lower-ranked guys. You're fighting guys that are not that active. You are most likely going to fight a guy from Russia who's a he's a killer. He's in, in one area of MMA. And that one area might be what exploits you, what yeah. what he can use to beat you. So for me, to be honest, the if I can fight somebody in the top 20 for a debut, for a short, notice fight, that would be my ideal. Anybody top 10, top 20, get that first fight out of the way and exactly see where you rank. And Because I f- I think if you are thrown in, uh, if they are schooling you, getting you ready, fighting guys that also make their debut, I mean, that's not bad. That's great. But I do believe then you are starting at the bottom of the pile and that's a big pile to climb.
1: Yeah, it is. You're 100% right. so I like, to ask you, um, has there been any contact from the UFC or any sort of uh, suggestion that they're, they're at least considering you? And, and then obviously, uh, the man who joins us today, uh, Gareth Soldier Boy McClendon, is responsible for one of the very few, few uh, blemishes on your career. What have you learned since that, that defeat back in 2014, um, where you are now? I mean, because you've evolved into an, an incredible athlete, incredible champion, and uh, someone that's definitely flying the flag for the continent.
2: Oh, well, thanks for that. I mean, uh yeah, there we've been in talks. My agents, I have an agent with Danny Rubenstein and and at Ruby Agency, and they are based in Vegas, and I was there in January, February, when I was there for about six weeks in, in the States. And yeah, the offer for the USC, we are right there. We are, I'm currently in a little bit of a custody battle with KSW, but uh, the offer is right there, and uh, I believe we're right there, and it's all about making the smart decisions right now and uh you know this whole cohort thing—it did affect it, it in a in a big way, but not all bad. Uh, it my contract with KSW ends in November, so it's uh, the timing is, is is kind of perfect. To you now, I have to just work on my game, and when when the contract is finished, then you know the the, the big possibility most likely is going to be the first fight in the UFC. So uh, I mean that's what we're working on. That's a, we are 100% in talks with them, and uh, I mean that's a, that's something great to to look forward to, and it's something to work towards. And now it's all about the timing and and seeing what happens with this with this whole virus. Uh, as far as finding Gareth, yeah, he's one of the uh, two guys that that beat me. But I mean, what what better guy to lose to than that? I mean, he was Do you want to say, yeah, well, I mean, it was it was one of the it was my first loss in combat sports from my whole kickboxing career, uh, K1 career, everything. Uh, I've never felt defeat, and I do believe that that single loss made me four times the fighter I was on that uh, when I when I stepped in there. I was all I was very confident uh, in my abilities, and as soon as I got in there, I I could see the the difference experience made. I could see the difference that that you know getting fights behind your name and getting tested in, in, in different areas of MMA. That that changed my whole mindset. My mindset was winning always. And after that fight, I realized if you put on a good fight, it's still a good fight whether you're winning or losing. And the mindset should always be to perform and go out there and give your best and not necessarily just fight to win a fight. And that's, that's, that's what it's all about for me right now. After that fight, that was the one fight that made the biggest difference in my career because I realized what it takes and I realized you think you're doing enough, but you're most likely not. So, uh, enjoying, enjoying the journey, uh, I was at a point right there where I was just focusing on winning and I wasn't enjoying what I was doing anymore. I was just doing what I had to to win a fight. And after that loss, I realized, listen, that's not going to get you anywhere. What you need to be doing is you need to go out there and have fun and remember why you started doing the sport in the first place and you know, do whatever you can to get that
0: win. If I can jump in there, I must say that uh, being, a, being of the age of nineteen and being so young that 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 can really go two ways. I mean, you could you could either go in there and take that loss, and it could be detrimental, and it could change your outlook, and you could have gone in a different direction, and you didn't. You really you put your hand up, you put the effort in, you you grind it. You your 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 kill list is is full of amazing names um, in South African MMA. Um, I think you proved yourself time and time again. And I think at this current uh, stage, you're rightly deserving of of uh, the title as the best fighter this country has. And uh, I do think that you've only just started to touch um, kind of the the boundaries of what you're capable of. I think there's so much more to come from, from you. And I, I think your head is in an amazing space and I think that you've really grasped everything around you not only just from the fighting space I, I think as a businessman you've really made smart decisions in your in your in your brand and what's what you're putting out there and um, I think that's another thing that we are lacking in South Africa in terms of good guidance for fighters and teaching them how to look after themselves and prepare for a later stage um, so I must commend you on that because I, I really uh, I really enjoy watching you fighting and I think you're a fantastic, fantastic ambassador to a sport. You know, I I carried that flag for so long and then for you to come along and take it and take it to the next level is really a testament to me on what I did as in my career uh, to ensure that the sport carried on and that we had the right guys coming through. So, yeah, great job, man. Really, really fantastic job.
2: Awesome, man. Thank you so much for that. It really means a lot coming from you
1: because I, I want to find out. Obviously, you've been watching the the UFC events uh, the last seven days. Uh, what what did you make of um, uh, of what you've seen without fans? I mean, you can hear their breathing, you can hear the commentary, all the teams. What did you make of it all?
2: Well, the firstly, like any fight, was a great fight. Like I've been watching all of it, and uh, it's it was just amazing. I was like, I was so hungry to just see a live event. So that was amazing. Uh, I've been waking up at three a m every time the show's on uh watching it and it's incredible and once again without the crowd, it's a whole new dynamic and I do believe it has its fair share of challenges i mean for a fighter to get mentally ready it's a it's a tough it's a tough uh it's a tough state you have to make sure that the mental side is ready more than anything else and I would only believe if I had to go out there and fight without a crowd, it would be super hard especially where I'm at in my career now, in the beginning, it wouldn't be because when you fought, when I've made my debut, there was maybe five people in the arena. Whereas, uh, right now, the arenas are packed. So, I mean, I think it does come with challenges, but I think it's it's really great to see how professional MMA has become as a sport, as a whole. The the UFC is an absolute mega company. They're doing massive things for sports in the whole world. And to see how professional they're handling this this whole thing, and they're doing absolutely everything they can to, to help the fighters stay active, to help the people get generate income. They, they're really doing great things. So it's, it's amazing for me as a fan to watch the fights, and it's amazing for me as a fighter to see how people are, even though the, the mental challenge are there of not fighting in front of a crowd. It must be so different than fighting in front of a crowd because the shots just sound so much louder. It sounds insane. <laughs> when you hear those shots on TV and there's no crowd, it's unbelievable how it sounds. So no, I've been. I tell been really, you
1: what, I...
2: uh... yeah, yeah. Sorry, Karen, on. Karen, on. shoot. Oh yeah, so yeah. I mean, I've been really enjoying it, and I think it's great for the sport, and I think it's great for the world to to have something to look forward to, and uh, for the athletes and everybody. I mean, this can take a toll on so many people, and this, it's absolutely great to see what the UFC are doing.
0: Yeah, I tell you what, um, I've I've been punched a, a few times in my face, and uh, sitting on the couch and watching that, watching the fight and listening to the the damage that's getting getting put on each other. It's, it's it's yeah, makes me cringe. I like to think to myself, <laughs> it oh, does. What, what were you thinking? What were you it thinking? It does when you don't hear the crowds <laughs> the you It sounds
2: like, whoa. It whoa, sounds like the God. 135ers are gonna take me out. It sounds too
0: long. <laughs> and That's leg kick um, the one thing that I have I've uh, I've taken the most notice of is a leg like a leg kick is a leg kick and it's hard and it's destructive. But you, it doesn't really sound the way that it sounds now in the, when there's no, there's no noise. They sound horrific.
2: Yeah, it, is. it really makes you think twice before stepping in there again. You're like,
1: wow, is that really what it's like? <laughs> do, I, do, I, do I really want to do that again? Well, <laughs> yeah. I've, got, I've got to ask you two guys. I mean, you saw Glover Teixeira absolutely wreak havoc with Anthony Smith. Uh, and the, the ref at the end said that he was to blame because it was a late stoppage. Do you agree with that? So,
2: for me, it was, it was. I mean, uh, Anthony Smith is an absolute machine, he's a, he's one of the toughest dudes. I do believe he blew out his gas tank in the first two rounds and he was winning that fight by far. I didn't think after round one, I thought the fight would be over in, in another round. I mean, but Loba just came in there so conditioned. I couldn't believe for a 40 year old man, he came in there and he just. When he came out for the fifth round, he was still so fresh. And I believe Anthony Smith did take a whole lot of damage, but I don't have a problem with the stoppage, to be honest. It might be young arrogance, it might be a little bit, you know, but for me, I believe Anthony Smith is the kind of guy that when he goes out there, he knows what he's putting on the line and, you know, sometimes fighters can be too tough for their own good, but I honestly believe it was, a, it was a fair call. It was uh, every time the ref did warn him, listen, improve your position. Or I will stop the fight. He did. he did so. So, I mean, he was there the whole time. And yes, he did take a beating. But I do think the, the way he fought was way more because of the, definitely more because of the, the fatigue. He was tired. His gas tank was done by the second round. I believe that's what made him take so much damage. Until round two, he was dominating that fight. Until past round two, he was dominating that fight. So, I mean, the ref can say that because the whole teeth, he took out his teeth, all that. It does sound very intense, but that's fighting for you. And you could hear him when they spoke during the fight. That's, that's what he was there to do. And he, he did a great job at, at, yeah, it didn't go his way and he did get injured. But he lives to fight another day and uh, he'll come back stronger
0: most probably.
1: Yeah, he's a warrior, you know, like, man. Absolute warrior. I have
0: to agree with Rickers there. I think he looked so sharp in the beginning. His, his combinations were crisp. He was on the money. Everything he threw was landing. Glover did amazing stuff in terms of how he rolled off punches and he used that boxing uh, skill. Look, it was a kickboxing versus a boxer. And uh, yeah. I, I think that um, you learn how to control yourself and keep your gas tank and manage your, your fight system in there at, at, during the course of a fight. And I think Glover did that amazing. I think the... Uh, for a guy who's fought as many fights as he did, um and the experience that he has, I think he pushed too hard. But again, it's the environment. You right. got you got your corner screaming at you, throw this, throw that, throw this. He's trying to he's trying to keep up with their commands. Um and look, when he was in trouble, when he was beat up, he was still throwing incredibly effective punches and elbows. So, it's a tough decision to make for a ref. But in, in the case, he stops a fight early, then, then the, the fighter sits back and you stopped it too early. You should have let me go out on my shield. And, you know, there this whole debate comes. And, again, it's just a perception of how you see the fight. Um,
1: yeah. All right. We, we we don't have a lot of time, unfortunately. Um, let, let's get on to Sunday's event. Um, and, and touch on, on what was an emotional main event. Uh, Alice Overeem against uh, Walt. With the, he's got the best nickname in the game. Sorry, Jekka still knocks uh, the big ticket. man. <laughs> Come on, are you kidding me? Um, but it was an emotional fight. And you can see everyone was trying to get bo- behind Harris because of the death of his daughter. But at the end of the day, experience of, of Overeem was just too good, wasn't it, Jekka?
2: Absolutely, I think uh, Alistair Abium definitely shocked me. My money was on Harris, and it might have been because of uh, of uh, the whole situation with his daughter. It's absolutely uh, it's so sad, and yet at the same time, it's very inspirational to see him come back and and look great. Uh, but I do think what told on the day was Alistair Abium has been knocked out. He knows what it's like. He's he's been through it all. He had 63. It was his 64th professional fight. That is insane. So. Now, this guy comes in. He has a 10-0 and 0 record uh, with 10 knockouts. That's, that's something that he has power. And we saw that exact thing happen in the fight. He rocked Alice Obeam. And Alice Obium did the experienced thing. He took the... He, he just weathered the initial storm. And Harris wasn't used to that. Usually, when he lands those kind of shots, the fight's over. And this would... I would definitely believe Harris is going to become such an amazing fighter out of this experience. Because now he realizes you can't just throw everything all the time. It's it's the stuff you learn. And unfortunately, he, he learned it in a hard way. But what better guy to go out against than Alistair Obeem? I mean, it was uh, it was a memorable fight. It's something uh, I believe that meant so much for him just to get back in there after the whole trauma in his life. And for Alistair, it must have been so hard to to fight a guy. And just respect to Alistair Obi as well for taking that fight not treating him differently. He went out there and he showed all the respect in the world, but he still put on a massive fight and both of them did. And Alistair Obi definitely showed he moved camps to train with Kershaw's blades that beat him. And that just shows you he's, even at the age of 40, having 64 bouts, he still wants to learn. And we saw that in this fight. He's wrestling one in this fight and eventually he just grinded it out and that was the best wrestling and grappling we've ever seen from Alistair. So it was amazing to see.
0: I think I think a lot of people don't understand is uh, that Alistair is a, he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. I mean, he got it very young. Yeah. Um, he does have that skill set. We just don't see it often because he's had so many stand-up fights um, through the years, and he has this incredible stand-up record. Um, yeah, look, listen, he got zinged. He <laughs> got zinged very <laughs> often. Uh, and it's exceptional to stay in the game, to stay, uh, stay in the fight, stay composed, move, you getting hit very hard by a very big guy it's um can often be very disorientating and you would have expected um Harris to put him away but then again experience he just got he got too excited tried a jumping flying front kick missed landed on yeah. uh, on his back and uh once the big guy got on top of him it was just very difficult to uh to control, and that sucked him. You could see how much it sucked out of him that that first round, and coming into the second round, he was he wasn't the same. He wasn't as sharp, and he's he didn't have the same footwork, and got caught by a big head kick. Oh, vicious! Yeah. And then you know, put a, uh, when a guy gets on top of you like that, and he has experience, and sprawls you out, and it's it's very difficult to recover from those situations. So, you know, hats you. off to the ref. gave him a lot of time. Spoke to him a lot. Gave him opportunity to get himself out of there. And you could just see he was going nowhere and he wasn't going to get anything out of it. Great respect afterwards from Alistair. You know, I think that's that's one thing that really every time it happens makes me proud as a sport. For, for such a violent uh, environment, the compassion and the sportsmanship that gets shown by a guy every time afterwards just shows the quality of guy that's in there. Um, and what we have done over many years to progress ourselves and put our hands up
1: and say we're real athletes. Yeah, I'd have to agree there. I think you know it was a great advertisement for mixed martial arts because you had gentlemen afterwards, women also. You know There was meant signs of respect. And I think the sport has come a long way from the days where people were fighting out in car parks you know, after those early EFC days, we had guys in car parks brawling. Now I think the sport has evolved into a whole new place where it's now mainstream. People understand what goes into it. And I think these guys have been outstanding. And Overeem showed so much respect and invited Harris to come and train with him. It was it was awesome. Guys, before we run out of time, we were about to run out of time. Lastly, I mean, we can't not speak about Conor McGregor very quickly. And I'm dying to get Dricus's thoughts on us. Conor McGregor, obviously now with Gaethje and Khabib lining up beside each other. It looks like he's going to be staying at welterweight. Um, Masvidal, is he the guy? Do you want to see Conor fight? Who would you like to see Conor fight next?
2: Well, to be honest, uh, I, I I enjoy Conor McGregor. I think he's a he's an incredible athlete. Uh, of the world's respect for what he's done for the sport. Yes, he's he's slipped a few times and he's done a a few stupid things, but I mean. The, the pressure must be immense. And I honestly believe the way he came back for the Cowboy, it was, it was incredible. And I'm definitely a fan of Conor McGregor's. But I'm a massive George Masvidal fan as well. And a massive fan of, of Gage. I'm not the biggest Khabib fan, even though he's a brilliant, brilliant fighter. He's, I'm just not personally I'm a fan. But I'm a massive Conor fan. I'm a massive Masvidal fan. I do believe that fight will be insane. I honestly have to say Conor McGregor shouldn't right now in his career. I don't think he should be messing around at welterweight too much. I should. I don't think that's his his way forward. I think Conor McGregor needs to do great things, uh, and he can do great things at lightweight before going over to welterweight. But I mean, if if that's a super fight, I mean he stepped up to the occasion so many times. And George Masvidal is a big guy. He's a welterweight, but he's fought at one. He fought at, at 155. He fought at lightweight yeah. a few times, and I do believe he can make 150 155. He did say it a few times. So if that's a guy while to wake Connor wants to fight, that would be that would be impressive. That would be
1: great. Awesome. Gareth, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, no, look, I think uh, I think the Gaiche Khabib fight is has gotta go ahead. I think that's the 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 natural progression of things. And if it's a case of waiting, I think we gotta wait. Um, I don't think that we should allow Khabib another opportunity to step aside. If he does step aside, he's got to give the belt up. That's just mm, that's the way it is. I, I don't think he can hold the division up. So I think he's got to fight, Gaethje. What kind of a fight is that going to be? It's going to be difficult. Uh, you know, Gaethje's got an incredible wrestling pedigree. Um, yeah. And we know that Khabib struggled against good wrestlers. Um, Alequinta couldn't put him away, couldn't out-wrestle him. It was a tough fight for him does he have the ability to strike with Gaethje we see, we saw how devastating that guy is on the feet so that's yeah. a, very, a very interesting fight and i think there's a lot of people out there that are saying Gaethje's the guy to handle to hand uh, kabib his first loss i've got to agree with that then again you, you never know from that russian he's just he, he, every time he he uh, he does he does the job so great fight unbelievably the best pick that we could have and I look forward to that um there's something so enticing about Masvidal and Connor you know that Masvidal is just super killer on the feet and he's just got these mad combinations the guy was fighting in the backyards and in bars (laughs) and underground scene for I don't know how long uh, in in South America I mean anybody who's doing that you must know is it's definitely not well yeah he's not scared and uh Connor, we know what we know what a tactician that guy is. You know how simple he tries to keep it, and he has simple combinations. But the way that he puts together those simple things is devastating. I think it would be, I think you would probably be uh, in line for one of the parts of of uh, probably of the decade, definitely. I think they will. They will definitely put the hurts on each other. Uh, we know that Conor is capable of getting there and fighting and big guys and and taking that sort of punishment. Um, does he have the gas tank to to go the distance? That's another thing. Will he be able to last it out? Uh, he showed that against Diaz, but I think that was the preparation for Diaz and and knowing what to expect. You know, a guy like Masvidal is going to come. He's going to come and want to kill him. He's not going to want to. He's yeah. going to want to put Conor away and and tell and to show everybody that he's. He's the baddest man uh, in uh, the UFC. Um, I think uh, it, put, it, it puts up another big super fight, and that's what the UFC is always looking for, and that's what Conor tries to create. So, yeah, um, I do tend to agree with Trickers uh, regarding um, stepping up. I think he he just had a good he had a good win against Cowboy Cerrone, uh, yeah. but it wasn't it wasn't the best of Cerrone. So yeah. you can't we can't say like wow, that performance was amazing. He, he put away a great uh, a great opponent in terms of that fight. You know, where Cowboy took uh, that, that crack to the nose and it just changed everything so quickly. But that's the fight game. It happens then, that way. Yeah. It happens that way. And uh, I think we're just lining up. I think if you look at the UFC rosters, I, look, I think if you look from a heavyweight position to right down to the lower weights, there's amazing fights that have just been lined up. And I think we're in for some crackers
1: as soon as we get back to... A full schedule. Gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much. Uh, Drikas, uh, always uh, good chatting to you. Uh, the, the king of the middleweight division, uh, along with the former king of the middleweight division, if I can put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Drikas, just on social media, where can people follow you? Um, can you give us an idea of Instagram, Twitter, what your handles are?
2: Awesome. Uh, guys, thanks for having me. Thanks for watching. Uh, Instagram is at Drikas Duplessis. Uh, same for Twitter at Drakas and uh, the Drakas page on, on Facebook. Yeah, just uh, follow for, to keep updated with my progress, with where I'm going with my career, what, what's happening with, uh, with the UFC, what's happening with, with the fights. And uh, I mean, I'm doing my daily updates and to let everybody know. And yeah, I mean, you can, might pick up some, some good picks for fights and, and get that betting on. So yeah, uh, give us a follow and, and uh, let's enjoy the sport.
0: Drakas, uh, quick one before we run. Quick one before we run. Who's yeah. your Who's your your fight in the light heavy? Badats or uh, uh, Drotsky.
2: I'm going for Drozdski. Okay.
0: okay. Is, that where you,
2: is that where we're seeing you next? Absolutely. I really hope so. Let's hope this whole thing uh,
0: clears up uh, good enough and uh, we can get that fight going. Well, I think if you do that and you make that successful, you will definitely put yourself down as uh, the greatest fighter that's come out of this country. I wish you luck. Um, I support you all the way, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you in the UFC soon, flying the flag. My man, thank you so much. That
1: really means a lot. All right, guys, thank you very much for your time. Uh, remember to like and subscribe on YouTube, and uh, yeah, catch us again next time for MMA and Cage. Thank you, Drakus Soldier Boy. Much appreciated, guys. Thank you. Thanks, man. Go. Cheers. Go. Go.
2: Go. It's the world.
0: Uh, no surrender, no surrender yeah. yeah, You know that this right here forever, yeah, forever. Go. Go. And there will be no surrender Now allow me to reintroduce myself They call me J-O, head to the easy ear Know that we undefeated, y'all are beneath them speeches Trying to air a grievance But his lines are overhead, better check the air for clearance Call the tower, this is our critic He the air apparent, uh-huh i never been better, yeah. legacy, this is forever huh. All the more times I've been seven, I'm raising the bar. you can go ahead and measure yeah. Think about time for a toast, yeah. time that we welcome to go yeah. Yo, we're just leaving note Yeah, yeah. Well, this right here rev.